this year's Mr. Olympia Championship. There certainly has never been a competition like this before. Lou Ferrigno. Arnold Schwarzenegger. You have to do everything possible to win. I dreamt about Arnold last night. I said, Louis is waiting for you in the shadows. Well, I've not been beaten for the last seven years. You're going to be the biggest thing that ever went out on that platform at 275 pounds, Louis. They know that, and he knows it. She's in shape. Fine. I hope he is. Half a more way. Let's go. Oh, I beat him. Wherever he goes, you pose down with him. Let the judges make a comparison. You look at your arms like you're admiring, and then you go, boom. When it comes to the day of the contest, I will mix him up. He will be ready to lose. I called say, my mother yesterday already, and I said I won. When we get out there, we have only one thought in mind. We're going to win. That's it, no more, no more. It's going to be very hard to beat. Very hard. The winner of the 1975 Mr. Olympia is... You'll never get this chance again. She's going to fix me up and our first ever swim meet. The concept of the swim meet is the brainchild of my co-host, Jim. Jim, how you doing? I'm uh, feeling fantastic. You know, I'm either, you know, I'm going to the gym. I'm coming now. I'm coming here when we're recording. It's excellent. It's great. So if you missed the video that Jim uploaded to our social media accounts, swim meets will be less structured than our typical episodes and will be more of an open discussion based and will allow us to cover anything from documentaries to television shows, specific episodes of television shows, music videos, sporting events, whatever. The possibilities are really endless. So I'm excited for it, man. It's it, unlike our normal podcast where we talk about movies. It, it gets more of a deeper end where me and you can just shoot the shit about stuff like everybody else does around the water cooler. So it's going to be a fun little well, we, experience. You and I text each other a lot with like roller jam yeah, and dumb shit. American Gladiators. Like I, last yeah. night or night before I sent you like these monster truck promos the, with bull hurley from over the top they were crazy Ridiculous. they had these wrestling style promos for a monster truck show where the characters cutting the promos obviously weren't the ones exactly. driving I, it bonkers and that's what we're gonna dump into here it's gonna be it's just gonna be a fun me and kevin like two buddies shooting a shit around a water cooler about stuff so this is also a good time to mention who we are as a podcast so whether you're a first-time listener or you've been with us since day one you know I've, I've been wanting to say i took film classes in college you know i've collected criterion movies i can tell you why you know, they light scenes certain ways or music cues or, you know, mechanical distortions of film. I can tell you more technical stuff and, and Jim can as well as far as breaking down cinema. But we're more of a, a carefree podcast. Yeah, we here. are. We're more of a knee jerk first reaction type of, of podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there are other podcasts. If you want that, you know, go the watch on Ringer. Great yeah. podcast. Those are insiders. Those are Hollywood insiders who will break down a film and, and tell you their motivations. We're our own thing. We are our own thing. Yes, we we're are. We're going to do 
mostly bad movies, but movies that we love. Yeah. Movies that we enjoy. And we're just going to tell you reactions. We're not going to talk over you. We're not going to talk over your heads. No. We're going to do it in a more simplistic manner. It's the way it should be done. So up top, you heard the trailer to 1977's bodybuilding documentary, Pumping Iron, which covers the 1975 IFBB and Mr. Olympia competitions and the competitors, coaches, and even the dads involved. (laughs) The dad involved. The dad involved. Ah, Louis. You just keep after him. Wherever he goes, you pose down with him, right next to him. Let the judges make a comparison. You're 6'5", you're going to be the biggest thing that ever went out on that platform at 275 pounds, Louie. They know that, and he knows it. This is for the big baby, Louie. Directed by George Butler and Robert Fiore, this doc's claim to fame is mostly launching the career of future superstar and governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Remember one thing, when you pose, a lot of little guys have one habit, and they hide away when they pose. When they do an arm pose, they do like, like this. Okay, and the big guy will come right out with his arm. So never do that. Never hide away. Like right now, he did like this. You know, show them. Show them the whole thing. Make the move. Open up the whole body. And somewhat Lou Ferrigno. And somewhat Lou Ferrigno, yes. Not Serge Nubro. Or Ken Waller, USA. Yeah. Hey, you know what I'm going to do when I get to Africa? I'm going to take Katz's shirt. I'm going to hide it. I'm going to take everything I can find of his. Hide it. Yeah. (laughs) Mess his mind up a little bit. Much like when we covered the Karate Kid trilogy and talked about how the movies were responsible for the rising number of karate studios in America, Popping Iron not only shined a light on what was a very niche subject of bodybuilding at the time, but also contributed to an increase in commercial gyms and helped inspire the 80s fitness craze. Mm -hmm. So you basically have this movie to blame for like uh, Richard Simmons. Well, like I've said too, when I used to really get into bodybuilding, I kind of, when I get obsessed with something, I go in 120, 30%. I really get into it. I would watch this before every night I would go work out the whole damn thing over and over and over again. And we've gone to the Arnold on quite a few occasions too. Yeah, which is really fun and something I, you know, if the world returns to normal, Mm -hmm. don't do it now because there's like 100,000 people squeezed in a little, not a little, but a convention center where you have to squeeze by just aisle by aisle by aisle. We have so many stories of just seeing these dudes, these big fucking guys. And it's such an interesting sport it's such an interesting way of life how there's nothing else in these guys lives that matter it's the striving for perfection so striving for perfection is a good transition this documentary originally was supposed to follow one skinny dude named bud court as he trained to become a bodybuilder court began training at gold's gyms with arnold but he ultimately quit as he felt he wasn't the right fit for the movie it was for the better as court's exit shifted the filmmaker's focus to the rivalry between Arnold and Lou Ferrigno. So you had mentioned, let's now for the swim meets, we're just diving in whatever we want to talk about. So you had mentioned about much where the documentary takes place. Now, much of this documentary does take place in or around Gold's gym in Venice beach, which Gold's gym was started at Venice beach in the sixties by Joe gold. And it was basically failing at the time of this movie's release. So I think, by the time we got to this movie, because Joe Gold sold it pretty quickly, mm-hmm. I think that Gold's Gym was already on their third owner, and that when this movie was released, it was failing, like it wasn't going to survive. But I had said this movie kind of encouraged a fitness boom. This movie 
essentially not only saved Gold's Gym, but Gold's Gym now is probably maybe Planet Fitness is like overtaking them. We used to have a Gold's Gym out at the Eastwood Mall because that's where I learned how to bodybuild was Gold's Gym. Yeah. Now, I will say the difference between like a Planet Fitness and a Gold's Gym is Gold's Gym, what's it synonymous with? Arnold. Yeah, bodybuilding. Bodybuilding. Big muscles. There are no treadmills at Gold's Gym. No, exactly. So it kind of scared away. So the idea of Planet Fitness was really smart. Because Planet Fitness is like the Walmart of gyms. but Dude, that's the most perfect way to put it. But it's so smart that Planet Fitness, they do this quantity over quality and it's 10 bucks a month or 20 bucks a month and they just pack the place full and they still make the same amount of money as, you know, we had talked about when we were watching this movie. I used to have a friend, he's like a bodybuilder, he's a fireman, who he was used to trying to get me to go work out at this place where the guy basically, it was deadlift, it mm-hmm. was powerlift and it was bench press. And it was like guys paying two or three hundred dollars a month, not so much for the equipment that he had, but for the actual guy's expertise. Mm-hmm. So not like because Planet Fitness, no, you see the people that go to Planet Fitness, and nothing wrong, great, you know, congratulations, you made it through the door. That's the hardest part. But Planet Fitness, nobody has any idea what they're doing. Problem with Planet Fitness is they try to remove any possible idea or gumption of bodybuilding. The lunk alarm. Yes, I came in there once with a gallon of water, like in a milk jug gallon. They told me I couldn't have that in there. I was like, it's fucking water. It needs to be in a bottle. <laughs> it is. So I left. Meanwhile, you walk into the front of Planet Fitness. It was pizza day. So there's pizza out there and there's candy. I'm like, what the fuck yeah. are you trying to promote yeah. here? Well, my favorite thing about Planet Fitness is you see people upside down on machines. Yeah. You see people lifting with their arms on a leg machine. They don't wipe versa. shit off. Those people don't it's belong just in a gym. People, yeah, exactly. And again, it's the difference between if you go to a bodybuilding or like a weightlifting old school gym. You're there to work. You're there to work. Not socialize. They're not going to let you do that. It's a place where you're allowed to pick up the weights, but you're not actually allowed to work out. Working out's for lungs. and It'll only make you bigger. And you don't want to be bigger. You want to get smaller. Chances are they're not even going to have machines like that. They're going to have just piles of weights. When our buddy Chuck started training me. He's like, listen, you're not here to fucking socialize. If I see you talking more than you're working out, I'm not going to allow you to come in here ever again. You're there to fucking work. You're trying to sculpt yourself throughout this whole movie or documentary. I shouldn't say movie. I'm so used to saying movie. It is a movie, but it's a documentary. I mean, everybody has their tropes. Like Arnold is the confident prick. You have to do everything possible to win, you know, no matter what. At the day of the contest, if he comes in his best shape and he's equally as good as I am, or if, let's say, he's a few percent better as I am, I spend with him one night. I go downstairs and book us together in a room, you know, to help him for tomorrow's contest. Mm Mm-hmm. There is Ken Waller, USA, and you're probably wondering why we constantly call him Ken Waller, USA. That's what they refer to him as, the announcer in South Africa. Ken Waller, USA. Who is the bully of the production, who in real life was not. He hammed it up well, against Mike Katz, who... The filmmaker, Mike there is Katz. a there is a, uh, a making of this documentary, which I've never seen, called Raw Iron, but I've read about it where they basically tell you that parts of this movie were fake, essentially. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the scene on the football field where it's Ken Waller and the two other guys saying, you know, I'm going to go to South Africa. I'm going to take Ken's blue shirt. I'm going to hide yeah. it from him. Yeah. It's going to throw him off his game. You didn't see a blue, blue T-shirt around? Paul, you see a blue t-shirt around with my crusher? With um, Waller had it. Waller had it? Yeah. Can we put it? 
It's like, come on, man. Ken well, was so obsessed with fucking with my cats. Yeah, so they made... It's funny because Ken Waller, he wanted to steal Mike Katz's lucky blue t-shirt. Now, Mike Katz was a former professional football player for the New York Jets. Yes, he was. He got injured and could no longer play for the Jets, but somehow, I don't know what his injury was, he could bodybuild, which to me seems like it would take more of a toll on your body and your joints. Ken Waller is, I'm not sorry, not Ken Waller, Mike Katz was the most awkward person not only bodybuilding just by the way he walked the way he acted he was that kid this is the best way i can compare it he was that kid in the lunchroom where all the popular kids would point at and go look at him sitting by himself so mike katz you can hear he talks about being he grew up bullied oh big time did he get bullied so for a number of things for being jewish for having rusty fenders on his bicycle that's the thing about this and i brought this up to you again as we saw this i i can remember you know back in my life when when uh, I would be picked on quite often. I'm sure every kid's gone through it, but it just affected me more than I think it, it would affect other people. You know, hey, four eyes, hey, cross eyes. Hey, uh, you know, you got rusty fenders on your bicycle, you know, and your bike isn't as good as our bike. And hey, Jew boy, or, you know, hey, you're not, you know, Catholic, so you're no good. He brings up the rusty fenders and the bike before he brings up the anti-Semitism. Yeah. Which shows you his weird level of priority. Yeah. And he just looks awkward and when he eventually finishes in fourth place because i forget how many times oh he said he, he's been in it a couple times he's never won the defeat it's you great. just feel i mean it, i hate to say it's great but like it's I wonder what time it is back on the stage do you know i haven't got to call my wife six hours it's bad five good kids ought to be playing driving her crazy huh. anyone great terrific how about that Boy, that's fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> Can you imagine how we must feel? Incredible. It's probably like I did when I was 16 and won my first trophy. In its own way, it's probably just as satisfying. I gotta go shake his hand, that's fantastic. Great. Oh, Ken, Ken won. He's a good guy. Great. 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 I wonder what time it is I, uh, back home. I can call my kids. I'm going to go shake his hand. In the middle of him getting his awards, he thinks yeah. he's just going to walk up to the stage and shake his hand. Yeah, so I, I think they played that up. The filmmakers said, okay, Mike gives us this bit about being bullied. We'll make Ken Waller the bully. But it's funny because, so even though it was staged for the movie, after this was released, when Ken Waller would come out at competitions, he would get booed. Because people watched Pumping Iron and they saw Ken Waller broke Mike Katz's heart stealing his blue t-shirt. <laughs> he ripped his heart right out of his ass. So he stole his blue t-shirt. So people would boo Ken Waller unfairly because, and it's the same thing too, where the main event of this movie is kind of like the rivalry between Arnold and Lou Ferrigno. Arnold, this, he was five time defending Mr. Olympia. Unstoppable force. Unstop I mean, he was the most prolific bodybuilder ever. It probably still is. I mean, there's some others, but Arnold's probably the most prolific bodybuilder ever. He had this, a physique that no one else could match. It was genetically perfect. Yes. And Lou Ferrigno went on to be the Incredible Hulk in the 70s and early 80s TV show. Had never really won anything. Not at all. But yet in the movie. Which is crazy. He's fucking huge. Yeah. It's like you said, if if Arnold didn't exist, Lou Ferrigno probably would be the guy. Get some wins. They're kind of pitted against each other. 
Now, I don't know how much of that was fabricated because Arnold's very cocky. No, Arnold, no, really. What should I tell Louie when I get to New York? I mean, I am going to train with him for a few days. Tell Louie that I said hi. Yeah? Said to his father that I said hi. And I'm looking forward to seeing him in South Africa. Okay. In other words, you want me to be very nice. Very nice to him. Okay. Because he needs a lot of help. That, he that knows. Hockey's not even the right word. He's over the top. He knows how good he is, how great he is. And how he can just fuck with somebody's and, head really yeah, easily. Yeah, and he thinks he can't lose. I mean, look, at Lou's dad seems to love Arnold more than he loves his own son at times. You're the king of kings, Arnold. <laughs> 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 oh, He's rubbing it in. <laughs> They don't come nicer than you want. I'm a nice guy. Yeah, and this is in the we get this duality. So Arnold, he trains at Gold's Gym. He's got beautiful women that want to be near him. He's got photographers. He's got his buddies. And filmmakers, his buddies, the people he trains with. Lou Ferrigno trains in a dimly lit basement with his dad. It's just his dad. And his dad seems to be the one. It's more important to his dad than it is to Lou. And his dad seems to know a lot about bodybuilding for somebody who never bodybuilded. When, when you come out here and you're out here, right? Now they're all waiting for you, Louie. They want to see what you got. They've never seen you before. Right? You tense your legs, right? Then you look at the crowd, Louie. They're all looking at your flash bulbs are going to go off and everything. Then you put your arms like this. You look at your arms like you're admiring, right? You're admiring what you're going to show them. And then you go, Boom! Like you're saying, take a look at this hunk of man. Something like that, okay? You're trying that. He's telling him how to do the poses, how to stare at his arms when he flexes, and then look at everybody and go, look at these things. Come on, Louie. Yeah. After he eats his whole bowl of salad with salt, <laughs> it's just lettuce and salt and some sort of weird carrot goulash. Some gross thing. Fuck. So Lou, his backstory a little bit was as a child, he had like severe ear infections. So he was partially deaf. Mm-hmm. So his speech wasn't real clear either, which you had met Lou. I met Lou at Whorehound, yeah. Yim. Yeah, he called me Yim. In this I complete ignorance here, I didn't know how loud I was supposed to speak to him. because I Hey, Lou! I, I didn't know, but it's just like me and yeah. you, you could carry on a conversation with Lou. Nicest guy as hell, but that's all he ever was, was the Hulk. Hulk, let me tell you something about Peter Look, Clayton. Please get your hand out of my face and stop calling me Hulk. I'm a person, okay? That's all he ever yeah, was. Yeah, he was, he was the I mean, and it's crazy that he was the Hulk because, and maybe it was a perfect role for him because he was much more reserved. Arnold was a rock star. Arnold does the whole thing. Like, at the end of this movie, so, spoiler, Arnold wins. The winner of the 1975 overall Mr. Olympia. The one and only, the greatest, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, Mr. Olympia stunned for the sixth time. Unbelievable. And Lou Ferrigno finishes third, third behind Serge Nubray. So while, while, so the way that the Mr. Olympia was structured at this time is they would take, and, and I'm glad they did away with this. They take the under 200 pound winner. Yes. Which was Arnold's training partner, Franco, Franco Colombo. Seems like the nicest guy ever. And then they would take the over 200 pound winner and they would have a pose off, but it, was so unfair and stupid. Arnold Schwarzenegger was 6'2", 245. 
Franco Colombo was like 5'8", 190. So no matter how good Franco looked. And he, he had just, that, that shelf muscle yeah, on his pecs. Yeah, he just looked like a, a miniature version. I just can't imagine what under 200 would ever be impressive enough to ever beat the heavyweight. I couldn't even imagine. So while, while uh, you have Arnold and Franco in their pose off, which Arnold obviously wins. You see Lou in the back getting, you know, his, his oil rubbed off. By his dad. By his dad. And in two years, Louie, they won't even know how to react to you. But again, Lou, you know, getting that incredible Hulk role, all he had to do was look the part. And grunt. And grunt. He had no lines. He it was had, perfect for yes, him. He Couldn't you imagine? I look at me. I'm the Hulk. Arr. Yeah. He didn't have to talk. It was, uh, it was really smart. He fell into it. It was excellent. And then you see at the end of the movie after. So Arnold wins. And then he's celebrating he's in the locker room he's smoking weed <laughs> the arnold is numero uno shirt fried chicken on Fantastic. his stomach he got fried chicken on his stomach and then you see him ride to the airport with lou and his family you know they're still kind of there's horseplay where they're still kind of yeah trying to outpose and outflex each other as they ride to the airport arnold retires no more because it was my last year of competition and I would like to announce officially that I'm retiring from bodybuilding competition. To only come back five years later and have a controversial... On one day's notice. And on one day's notice, he wins Mr. Olympia to the point where people boycotted. They didn't cover it on TV anymore. And everybody thought it was bullshit. Which I get it. All these guys are working out hard. Here comes Arnold again. And reclaims his crown on one day's notice. You know, it's weird that they, that they, and, and that one was filmed, but they didn't air it. Yeah, I would which love that to would have, have made that. a great documentary yeah. as opposed, I, I don't like the idea of a documentary being staged because that defeats the purpose of it being a documentary. If you stage it, you know, it's reality TV. It's, it's any MTV reality TV. The sat, the quotes in this movie are some of the most legendary quotes in all of film. The coming yeah. quote. Yes. Listen to this quote, everybody. If you, I, it's virtually impossible that you've never heard this quote before, but here it is for you. Arnold in full glory. The greatest feeling you can get in a gym or the most satisfying feeling you can get in the gym is the pump. It's as satisfying to me as uh, coming is, you know, as uh, having sex with a woman and coming. So can you believe how much I am in heaven? I'm like uh, getting the feeling of coming in the gym. I'm getting the feeling of coming at home. I'm getting the feeling of coming... Backstage, when I pump up, when I pose out in front of 5,000 people, I get the same feeling. So I'm coming day and night. I mean, it's terrific, right? <laughs> so, you know, I'm in heaven. Coming everywhere. Like, I can yeah. come at the gym. It's like, oh, my God, dude. But he's right, though. There is something about that pump. Oh, yeah. It's fucking amazing feeling. Yeah, to anybody out there that works out, there's definitely, like, if you're a runner, there's a runner's high. If you lift, there's just something about, like, you know, you're poking your muscles all night and you're, like, sin and all this stuff. And, yeah, he's he's right. There's, like, a release that, uh, I, I mean. It's endorphins. That I've had, and I'm not by any means in shape or a bodybuilder, but like these guys imagine that's like the pinnacle. Imagine getting to that. And by modern bodybuilder standards, uh, it's not these even guys are tiny. They're small. These guys have gaps in their thighs and you know, Arnold is, is huge compared to these other guys. But now if Arnold stood on the stage against any modern bodybuilder, he wouldn't even place. What's an amazing thing to watch in this documentary bodybuilding back then there's no tanning, Crap. Yeah. None of that shit. These guys had to look natural, just baby oil. More oil. More. That's not good oil. Imagine these guys that we've seen the other bodybuilding documentaries. 
without tanning solution on. Yeah. They would be totally found out for who they are. But now you see guys like Ronnie Coleman and Jay Cutler and Branch Warren. They're so mass. When they get older, they can hardly move. Like steroids have just rocked these guys horribly. Well, I, I will say, you know, we used to watch this one all the time and it's hilarious. It's fun to watch. If you haven't watched it, it's definitely a high recommend. But since the release of Pumping Iron, you've got Raw Iron, which is a making of this. You have Pumping Iron 2, women only. Which I haven't seen. Which I'd like Maybe to see Maybe we did that. watch it. I don't I know. can't remember. You have Generation Iron, which is like a new version of this, which that one I really enjoyed. That was the one with Grandma. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. was his name? He was a kick. Rolly, I think. Yeah, from uh, the Netherlands. Yeah. So that one's really good. Everybody is a character. Yeah. It's so ridiculous that that is still lasted. And I don't think in Generation Iron that there's that it's staged, but in that one. Kai Green, that's a character, man. Kai Green is, is something. Ooh. He puts on like. Uh, in the subway. Drama masks and goes poses in the subway. And he does. He was on Stranger Things season two. Yes, he was. And uh, but you've got like Phil Heath. Who is literally a dick. He is. He's literally a dick. (laughs) He is. Uh, Yeah. Phil Heath, multiple time winner, you know, has actually won more uh, Mr. Olympias than Arnold, but he did not take over the all time record. He only has eight. So no one's ever won nine. There's two people who have won eight. Arnold's won seven. And then, but Phil Heath, it's like he's the top of the mountain and everybody else is chasing him. But you see kind of the difference between being the best. And it's, it's sort of like, pumping iron it's the difference between being the best and being on the bottom because if you don't win you get like two thousand dollars yeah you get shit but phil heath he drives a mercedes he has a beautiful home you his know magazine covers he yeah. has his own they all have their own his protein supplements, supplements. You, know, you get like five hundred thousand dollars for winning yep. so phil heath's got this blessed life and to me i mean i don't know i know a lot about bodybuilding but i don't know enough to really look at two guys at, you know, modern day, because back like in Arnold's day, Arnold looked way better than those other uh, guys. He's not, no doubt. But modern, I look at two guys and I'm like, what? Well, we, like I was commenting to you, we see these people even watching us just cheering like, oh my God, oh my God. We've been to these things and we're just like, okay, that dude, that dude looks better. He's bigger than that. It's such a force how this was back in the day. Yeah. But then uh, Generation Iron, there's one, two, and three. And then even still, there's spinoffs from there because you had mentioned Kai Green. There's a uh, spinoff about him. One of the most successful bodybuilders of all time, Ronnie Coleman. God, I feel bad for the dude now, man. He can barely walk. There's a documentary about him. And that one is is actually, yeah, it's pretty pretty sad. His because, back is fucked. Yeah. And then you've got a huge character is Callum Von Moger. That so, guy. There's a movie called Bigger, which is the story of Joe Weider. So Joe Weider is in some ways responsible for bodybuilding because he invented a lot of modern weight equipment. The magazines. The magazine supplements. I mean, you go to a gym now, you're likely to see Weider's name on something. Have to be. So there is a movie called Bigger, which is the story of Joe Weider, who was very obsessed with the idea of training muscles and finding ways through equipment to isolate muscles and so on. But Joe Weider saw Arnold and (laughs) saw the dollar signs, man. Exactly. Saw Arnold and said, this is how I show people. This is how who endorses my products. But in Bigger, Callum Von Moger, who's in Generation Iron 2, is an Australian, really nice looking guy who 
is a freak of nature. He's genetically gifted. Because he doesn't, at that time, he did not eat the way bodybuilders eat. He ate like everybody else. Bodybuilders eat chicken, boneless, skinless chicken. Fish. Fish, vegetables, and supplements. That's it. And they don't eat it. Like, they don't sit down and enjoy it and fork and knife. They pretty much cut everything up. They put it in little Tupperware containers. They set timers on Tupperware their phones. Tupperware is still around thanks to bodybuilding. Yes. They put timers on their phones. They know it's time to eat one of their six. Because some of them have to eat over 10,000 calories yeah. a day. So it's one of their six to 12 meals a day. I mean, look at the rock for God's yeah. sake. Yeah. They pour this food down their throat. They drink a bunch of water and supplements. They look miserable. So Callum Von Moger did not eat the Fuck way it. a bodybuilder did. He still ate whatever he wanted. It's crazy. Look how Arnold ate in this. Like we're like, he's fucking eating toast. Yeah. These guys would not go against no. any fucking type of nope. carb whatsoever. So Calvin Moger, huge character for that reason. Cause he's kind of just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just naturally gifted. I was just born like this. Then he fucked around, tore his bicep and fell off a cliff. Yeah. So then that's in a documentary. He has his own documentary. Not synonymous. It was a separate yeah. thing, but <laughs> he tore his bicep. Which fuck, then fuck. Him fall off. He tried to do a, a tandem lift with uh, someone else. And when he did it, he tore his, he was like, oh, I just tore my bicep. Yep, rolled right like, up his arm. Yep. And then, uh, yeah. And then his brother wanted him to do bungee jumping or repelling or something. And it's on camera, sort of. He gets all strapped up, and then next thing you know, he's like dangling off the the cliff. And he, a guy that size, should not be bungee jumping. No, period. And, well, that documentary, I would say, if you want to watch bodybuilding documentary, watch that one. Calvin von Moger went from being as big as Arnold, if not bigger, to getting very skinny, two hundred and ten pounds, yeah, two hundred pounds, small. skinny, still ripped but skinny. And then for playing Arnold, he had to put that weight back on. So he went from like in a couple, two years being like 250, 260 pounds to 200 pounds back to like 260 pounds. It's the farthest thing from being healthy. Oh my God, it's crazy. So I'd say watch that one. It's very fascinating. You know, there is one guy we have to give a lot of credit to in Pumping Iron. He's kind of the unsung hero. The weird schlubby guy in Lou Ferrigno's gym he goes to, (laughs) which let's describe this one gym. Not only does he have the basement gym at his house, There's this gym, definitely New York, probably Brooklyn, blue carpeting, wood paneling, radiators everywhere. Looking at it, smells like piss and protein shit. Yeah. There's this one scene, this Louie is just posing, dumping these weights. Like he's over the top with the grunting. Even Arnold makes fun of him at the end about it. What did you say, Louie? What did you say? I'm training, Arnold. You gotta get a good pump. You made too much noise. It has to be very quiet here, like in the church. There's just this shot of this guy who is the definition of schlub. Probably just a normal dude. I have a feeling he wants to get girls, and he's just trying to lift. And he doesn't even know how to lift small weights. It's the weirdest thing. I was. I give a, we give him credit. Because the hardest part of going to the gym is getting through the door. Yeah. Once you're there. You got to have the commitment to yeah, it. Yeah. Once you're there, I mean, great. You can do whatever, whatever it is you want to do. Cardio, weights, whatever. But it's getting yourself off of your couch into your vehicle or going straight from work. A while ago, I was driving a half hour after working to go to the gym out of my way, like a half hour away from my house, going to the gym. And then back to my house and it, it became difficult. I was doing it, you know, because I was committed, but that's, that's the hardest part. You know, anybody, once you're in there, you can figure it out. You can do the machines or the the cardio, but this guy 
How are you not intimidated? Like, he has to be. He's standing behind Lou Ferrigno, the world's giant man. There is no Planet Fitness at this time, but that's that's the type of guy that needs to go to Planet Fitness. You know, he's got, you know, he's a little, he's round in the middle. A little chubby. And he doesn't know what he's doing. He's lifting like two pound barbells. Over his ear like You're he's trying to listen to a wire to phone. Third, you know, the, the third place bodybuilder in all the world is working out right next to you. I mean... Balls on that guy to not be intimidated and leave. So, Do you have somebody besides Arnold that stuck out to you that you're like, you know what? I fucking just love this guy. In I general. love Kai Green. Yeah. Because he's so multifaceted. And he's different. He, yeah. He's, he's smart. He's really he's smart. He's really smart. He's an artist. He does the subway thing, which is, <laughs> you know, just bizarre. But he, I feel for him because he works so hard. He looks so great. And he never won. Never did. Not Mr. Olympia. He's won other things. Now, what about in this movie in general? Is there one guy besides Arnold? I mean, he sticks out by far. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you have your anomalies like Mike Katz, who is weird. And we found out doing show research, his son owns Planet Fitnesses. And so does. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Katz is Mike, Mike Katz and his son own like five Planet Fitnesses. And his son did not follow in the bodybuilding footsteps. No, he looks just like his dad without the muscles. Yeah, well. So, which is yes, okay yeah so yeah i mean i it's it's interesting because like like franco colombo looks fantastic he just lifts a fucking feet out of the way but he's five eight yeah. you know he's jacked insane you'd love to look like that but he's five eight i met arnold in germany he came to the united states i came to the united states also we went through many things together and now I will be competing in the Mr. Olympia with Arnold. Of course, I think I'm going to win. I have more um, definition and I'm more muscular. And as much as Ken Waller kind of comes across like the villain, that dude, once again, just has definition. I can see why he oh, won yeah. under, under Ken 200. Looks great. He looks great. Now, we had talked about this a little bit in Generation Iron 3. So bodybuilding is, is shifting a little bit. So... The, the overall competition, I don't know what, what it's called. Men's men's physique, I think, is yeah. what it is. It's broken down into more like stages and stuff like that. Yeah, so men's physique used to just be, you know, who had the best and most impressive muscle definition. And then at some point in time, it became like, who is the best muscle definition, but also is the biggest, mm -hmm. which is how guys like Ronnie Coleman. Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler. I mean, these are the guys that you, you know, see in magazines that are just like ridiculous. Absolutely. Their thighs are as big around as your body. So it became more fitness centric. Yeah. So it more cut, less mass. Yeah. So in, in Generation Iron 3, you see there's now competition. I can't remember what it's called, but essentially the idea is they don't wear thongs and, you know, grease themselves up with the barbecue sauce and stuff. <laughs> They don't put the sweet baby rays, the the spicy. That's what it looks like, though. Uh, it looks like straight barbecue. But sauce. they don't they don't smear that stuff on them anymore. They they have this competition where it's like you just walk out on stage in a in a swimsuit in board Hello. shorts. Here I am. You know, would I look great on the beach? Now that competition went for a few years untainted because it was truly like, okay, you look great. You've yeah. got you know definition abs. You're proportionate. You look good. But then that competition kind of got the same disease as the men's physique, which is mass. You know, it became ridiculous. Yeah. In Generation Iron 3, there's a character who basically is on track to become the next 
you know, huge bodybuilding superstar in men's physique. And he kind of changes the course of events or that turns the tide because he decides he doesn't want to do physique. I think he just doesn't want to train with that mass. And can you blame him? No, Ronnie Coleman all. can't walk. So I think he says, I want to do this competition. But the problem is he's he, huge. He's huge. He's already trained for the men's physique. So therefore, you know, <laughs> he, he ends up being very big. So now that competition, he can't escape it. I mean, yeah, these are how guys look in bathing suits, but it's also. It is odd. Seeing these small guys next to somebody like Arnold, though, the, it's just you dwarfed the one scene in this movie where he's teaching the guy how to pose. He's like, you know, the little guys, they like to tuck themselves in. They don't like to show off. And he's like, got the point. I love that shit. It's just this little these little hints from Arnold that are helping these little guys. But these little guys don't stand a chance against people this big. There's absolutely no way. Now, and, you know, bodybuilding is definitely one of those things sort of like like we collect things. And we want to be completionists, you know, whether it's video games or toys or whatever it is, you want to collect things, but you're never really happy. Hey, I've got 700 Nintendo games. I'm really happy, but I need 700 Nintendo games in boxes. Oh, this one's box is nicer than mine. This is better. I can do a label upgrade. on. I can do a label upgrade on this one. I, this one has a manual. This one is sealed. I have a sealed box. So bodybuilding's like that where Arnold says it in that, like, you know, I, this muscle needs a half an inch, but I can't just do a half an inch. I have to do the entire body half yeah, an inch. Yeah. Nothing's ever good enough. No, nothing's. Ever, and, and that's what you could look so great, but you go to the gym and you look over and there's a guy. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're like, and you're feeling good about yourself. You feel good. You came out of the locker room. You just looked in the mirror. You're like, I'm fucking looking good. Here comes Gigantor. You're like fucking See, self-confidence. I almost want to think about the psychology of like, almost like mental illness where it's like, are you. Can you be, is it possible for you to be satisfied? Because I guarantee if you ask every competitor at a bodybuilding competition before they go on stage, are you happy walking on stage today? Do you think there's anything else? They, every single one of them will tell you, well, I wish I could, uh, except Arnold, I think. Yeah, but maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. But Arnold mentions like the half inch and stuff. So if I want to increase one muscle, a half inch, the rest of the body has to increase. But I, I think they all would improve something no one's ever a hundred percent they're always and that's probably how they end up so big yeah because they're always like it's not yeah they strive for their own personal yes, perfection and it just doesn't exist and the one thing i've noticed too and it put some levity back in this arnold must have fucked like a stallion back then yeah. jesus christ man yeah the amount of poon that was around him at any given time that's that's like christ you know if you're successful in any avenue so whether whatever it is there's always going to be you know like women you've got a body yeah but you've got to be willing to do it and i think arnold was like he's definitely a willing participant and he's just like yeah i'm gonna fuck all these women but it's crazy too he also brings up that his girlfriend took issue with him because he was in the middle of training and his dad died. You know, because I cannot be bothered with it. So I trained myself for that, to be totally cold and not have the things go into my mind. And uh, it was in a way a sad story when my father died because my mother called me on the phone and she said, uh, you know, your dad died. And this was exactly two months before a contest. She says, do you come home to the funeral? I said, no. And he didn't want to leave to go to the funeral. He's like, yeah. listen, I'm focused on doing this. I can't be bothered by that. Yeah, that's like on... Uh, it's the like, fuck. And the Browns were on um, 
what was it called? Inside the NFL. What was that called when they were on? Uh, oh, it was on Hard the HBO Knocks. Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks. When they were on Hard Knocks. It's a like, bad fucking idea. Hugh Jackson's sister, mom, somebody died. And he like didn't leave. He didn't. He wasn't going to go to the funeral. And it was she like, said, what do you want me to do about it? I can't yeah, do anything like, else. Like, Fuck, no, dude. Nothing in the world is, is that. Is, I don't know. No. <laughs> is it that important? But. but to Arnold, it was the thing. That was it. And look what this led to for him. Oh, my God. I mean, he did Hercules in New York. Five years before this, which is a crazy Yeah, movie. he did Hercules in New York. It which... was dubbed and then not dubbed release. <laughs> and his name wasn't Schwarzenegger, it was Arnold Strong. Yeah. That was which, it. I, I still, till this day, wonder how, and maybe there's, I've never read his book or books, but how did they let him keep Schwarzenegger? I don't know. I mean, how did they not just say Arnold Schwartz? I don't think, it just doesn't hold the same It doesn't, oomph. it doesn't, but they let him keep, that name was so difficult. And like, you know, in a way, you got to say it carefully. Well, ima- well, yeah. But imagine if it would, they, he stuck with Arnold Strong. I couldn't see like no. Strong, Strong Terminator. Yeah. I couldn't. Terminator was that launch point, really. I mean, there was this and there was Hercules Conan. New York, Conan. But it's like Terminator in, until Terminator. And then once Terminator hit, it was like Predator. Commando. Commando. Oh, Total Recall. True Light. You had. He became the number one everything. action star. And. Last Action Hero, which yes! we covered on this podcast. That's right. I wish we had a golden ticket where we could have went into Pumping Iron. and Probably could have placed just as we are now. You could have probably oiled somebody up yeah. or helped lose dad. <laughs> Who That relationship is very weird to me. I found out what that weird cocktail sauce on a plate they were. It's like a carrot goulash. Yeah. The fuck? All right. Anything else you want to mention about Pumping Iron? This was such a great documentary. It's just fun watching with your buddies and you, you're trying like to compare. Yeah, it's like coming. You know, you're looking in the mirror and you're watching this. You're like, fuck, I'm nowhere near it. The movie's kind of inspirational. If you get into bodybuilding, it helped me out when things were still going that way. But it's still a fun watch to watch and laugh because there's so many quotable lines in this and the weird relationships and the dichotomies. It's such a great movie. Check it out, guys. Once again, Pool Sceners, thank you for checking out the pod this week. Remember, if you want to know what's going on, any updates, any exciting things coming around the corner, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast. Also, at Pool Scene Pod on the Twitter. Also, if you want to drop us a line, send us an email at poolscenepodcast at gmail.com any movie ideas we have some amazing movies coming up if there's a movie you want us to cover let us know you're on the journey with us and now back to kevin so i we hope you enjoyed the swim meet so i I, for our first one i'm happy with this i think we're gonna get a little weird with it i think we're gonna get really weird like when we start dumping in because we've talked about this a lot like saved by the bell episodes yeah Holy shit. So here's something about Saved by the Bell, which we can freely ran on this. Saved by the Bell. What does that name mean? I've never thought about it. So in boxing, Saved by the Bell means you're about to get knocked out. The bell rings. You're safe. In, in school, you wouldn't be saved by the bell. You'd be fucked by it. You'd be in detention. Late by the bell. Like the bell would make you late. Unless it means the alarm clock. What does that mean? Like you're sleeping in and the, your alarm clock rings. You were saved by the bell. That's, and that's a stretch. That is a stretch. I but mean, remember before Saved by the Bell was called Good Morning Miss Bliss. Yeah, which that made sense. Good morning, Miss <laughs> Bliss. You're our teacher. Yeah. Saved by the bell. I'm like, what the? What does that mean? I totally think that when we do our next swim meet series, 
It's going to have to be on some Saved by the Bell stuff. Saved by the Bell would be great because there's so much to talk about. All the, the girls that show up for one episode, you never see them again. The drug episode. You could do the Hawaiian style, the four oh, episodes. Malibu the Sands. Two hours. Malibu Sands episodes. You could do. Um, there's so many ones. There's the inherent racism the episode. The wedding, which just gets forgotten about because they go to call it. Or that's during, after the call. Uh, yeah. this Zach falls in love with the homeless girl at the mall. There's mm-hmm. just so like the drinking shit. and driving episode yes with the togas say nope to dope yep jesse's brother speed yeah so um that might be the next one we're gonna have to dive maybe in more i, I really i, I kind of want to do one of these ones like with something on on youtube like one of these random saturday morning or you know shows like even like gladiators oh god yes you know where we talk about an episode that our audience can then go watch on youtube and we'll put the link up good idea um yeah we're, we're super fun so uh, before we go, I want to mention I've been watching Letterkenny. You're all about this. So Letterkenny has been around. There's nine seasons. It's a Canadian show made for Crave TV. And um, they, so in America, it didn't get here until 2000, July of 2018. Wow. Is when it first showed up in America. And it's created by, written by, directed by, starring Jared Kiso who plays uh, Walter and it's, or I'm sorry, not Walter. Um, uh, I can't remember his name right now. Kenny. No, not Kenny. Letter Kenny is the place where it takes place. So his name's Wayne. I'm sorry. Okay. So Letter Kenny, it, it tells you right in the credits that Letter Kenny is a town of 5,000 people. These are their problems. So essentially you again there's nine seasons but there's only 61 episodes they're 20 minutes a piece so you can just fly through these main characters are the hicks so wayne the the creator of the show his sister who lives with him squirrely dan and then they have another friend hope he has a brother called steely (laughs) but it basically follows these these guys uh there's also the skids who are these like goth kids who are into like drugs and nintendo they pretty much play video games and get high all day there's hockey players. They're really funny. Canadian hockey? They, no. They talk in hockey lingo all the time. So for about a season or two, you don't know what, what they're the saying. They're everything saying. is just... If you're not Canadian. Yeah, everything is uh, is just like... You went through the FIFO there. It's like Star Wars. It's like you have no idea what these guys are talking about. Everything's FURTA. So they say FURTA. Like, you know, gonna gonna hit some slicks, FURTA. What it's the like, fuck is that? Well, FURTA means for the boys. Uh, so FURTA. Oh, uh, okay. But it's funny. You get used to it, but they're really funny. You have the natives. So there's a Native American reservation not far from them. So every once in a while, they have some run-ins with Native Americans. And then there's everyone else. One of the things really works for me on the show is how they'll reference something briefly without beating a dead horse. So in... They're like in season two, there's a funny two or three line bit about Mario two on NES. So the one main skid is really depressed and they're trying to snap him out of it. They're like, Hey, we hooked up the NES. And he's like, yeah. And they're like, we already beat super Mario one and we beat super Mario three. And he's like, what about two? And they're like, Ooh, nobody ever plays two. And he's like, that's he's like, better later on in and life. And he's like, I want to play two. And they're like, why? And he's like, I'm sad. <laughs> but, um, there's uh, a funny one or two lines about the difference between a Texas cloverleaf and a scorpion deathlock. Nice. Which is pretty funny. 
And they even do it with like heavier topics. Like there's in season three, maybe there's a character who has an abortion, but they don't, there's not an episode built around it. There's not like some big thing. She's just like, I had an abortion. I'm not ready for it. And he goes, well, that's your right. And she goes, I know it is. And he goes, okay, good. That's how it should be. And in real that's, life. that's the end of it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just great. They tackle a number of things. It's just, it's very Canadian, which they know they do on purpose. They, they have this Ontario accent. It, it's just, it's really funny. I'd say give it, don't give up after the first season because the first six episodes, it's a little, maybe a little bit of growing pains to get into it. But once you understand like, okay, this is, once you get the feel of it, it just, it goes down like water. It'd be hilarious if they did like a letter Kenny episode on some sort of random Canadian guy that wants to be a bodybuilder after seeing this movie. <laughs> they might. I mean, they do. It'd be hilarious if they, they did. They do. It's, it's like. There's an episode where they make fun of a ton of things because they inherit $5,000 from their uncle who died. And he tells them, you know, he leaves them a, a letter in his, in his will. And it says like, you know, please, please do something I would have done. You know, please give it, give it back to the community. Do something I would have done. So they essentially in their barn hold like a shark tank episode. And it's like, people are like, I'm looking for $5,000 for 5% of my company. But all the ideas are like stolen from something else. So their friends show up and they literally pitch them duck dynasty. And they're like, we'll grow beards and we'll be very homophobic. <laughs> and we'll have to, and they're like, Hmm, I think I saw that on TV, but they, they just, they do everything they do is very smart. So yeah. instead of like, you know, they reference these shows they don't beat you over the head with it. They just like give you a reference so that you get it, but then they move on. Yeah, so, that's perfect. Yeah, it's really funny. So I, I would suggest it. If you haven't watched Letter Kenny, get in on it. Furta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, check out all the other bodybuilding documentaries that we mentioned because a lot of them draw inspiration from Yes, yeah, some, if not all, are still on Netflix. Plus, you get to see Branch Warren fall off a horse. That's some redemption and it's on camera and it's fucking hilarious and there's the one dude in generation iron two with the eyeliner and the that tattoos guy? and he just died uh oh. this past year which is a little sad i think his heart exploded and then there's ronnie's relationship with an older woman who trains him that he calls grandma and she feeds him and washes him a food ready grandma it's the weirdest fucking thing ever she, you think lou and his dad is weird. yeah she was a bodybuilder and yeah. so she trains and he makes the worst pose faces awful i don't think he's ever won anything because his faces are just weird like we mentioned how many times did somebody do a pose and shit themselves because it literally they're putting everything into a pose yeah. rip a ass fart oh. as opposed to a mouth <laughs> fart and shit rip their pants. ass fart <laughs> uh yeah i would say uh yeah, man, that's probably a really smelly stage. No, it's got to be. Those dudes just every time they turn, they're just letting them go. Uh, this was fun to do. I, I we enjoy pumping iron. Yeah, we'll get back to a uh, a regular format next next week. week. Don't know what yet, but uh, stay tuned. Check out the uh, the uh, social media, Instagram, and so on. Apple and Spotify. Yeah, and you will see what we're gonna do. People loved Captain Ron. Got a good response out of Captain Ron. Yeah, that weird titty scene. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see everyone next week. We return to regular episodes. Goodbye until then, and get your pump on. Oh!